Welcome to the Therapeutic Food Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Marion Mitchell. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, therapeutic diet expert, and founder of The Road to Living Whole. There are many different diets out there. It's hard to know which one is right for you with your chronic illness and autoimmune disease. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you the foundational pieces every single therapeutic diet out there shares, and also how to use the best one for your particular diagnosis. If you've been looking for a meal planning partner, help navigating the complicated healthcare system, and want to feel better quickly, I'm your girl. Grab your kombucha and notebook. Let's dive in. I'm excited for today's episode. We are exploring a facet of healing that is so overlooked, and that is past trauma and its link to dysfunction in the body. Now, when it comes to chronic symptoms that just aren't getting better with nutrition and lifestyle changes, they're often rooted in past trauma that's stored in the body. You know, things that have happened to us in the past uh, don't just get stored in our brain, something that we think about, but it also gets stored in our body. And sometimes these chronic symptoms just won't go away until we process through this and kind of reprocess how our brain and our body respond to it. Today's guest is licensed professional counselor, Jesse Mosia. Jesse and I connected about a month ago through a friend of mine and a family member of hers. She is a therapist that has in her therapeutic toolbox an incredible trauma processing therapy called EMDR. And we met about a month ago, and she shared with me exactly what EMDR is, how it works, what the process looks like, how stored trauma can impact chronic physical symptoms in the body, and how EMDR can be used to help heal that. By the end of our call, I just knew I had to have her on the podcast for you guys. There's so much to learn, and it's seriously so cool. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell our listeners who you are? where you're located, and your training, please. Yes. Um, So as you said, my name is Jessie Mosia. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, I'm here out of Arizona. I actually work in community mental health. Um, I work at an agency by the name of Viadel Soul. Um, And what we do there is serve our community basically with mental health. Um, Is that what you're looking for? Yes, it sure is. You know, before we get into EMDR, I kind of want to share my background and like kind of how I learned about it and how I kind of learned about emotional trauma being stored in the body. So I remember hearing on some other podcasts, it was like years ago, about this um, back surgeon who would not perform surgery on his patients until they did three months of counseling. And like 90% of them wouldn't return. And I found that to be absolutely fascinating. And then through my course of working with naturopathic doctors and all of that, um, a healing emotional trauma is a big component. And then I learned a little bit about EMDR and, you know, and how effective it is at processing trauma and like, but it's, it's seriously kind of like you kind of listen to it and you're like that, like your brain can't wrap around it. And so I'm excited to have you on here because people will be able to listen to it over and over again and really kind of hear about what it is and how it works. And, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about the link between, you know, the emotional trauma and how it affects our physical bodies. Mm -hmm. So let's just kind of get started and give everybody kind of an introduction of, you know, what it is, who started it and kind of just work our way down from there. Sounds great. Okay, so um, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing Therapy. So that is a humongous, obviously, 
um, title. Uh, and it was uh, developed by Francine Shapiro. Uh, and it's actually been since about the 1980s, late 1980s, that she made her observations that would later lead to uh, EMDR. The fascinating thing for me is that she was actually creating a dissertation um, in the 70s, late 70s. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer and she became very interested in the mind-body connection at that time, making observations on herself, um, and things of that nature and, and things that she was going through led her to uh, this infamous walk through Central Park, um, noticing that she had had some, you know, memories and responses come up as her eyes were moving back and forth bilaterally is what we call that. And uh, she, the rest is history. She started to make more observations and things and developed EMDR. Um, she actually, in her book, uh, says that she would not really go by the name of EMDR anymore because there are multiple ways to do bilateral stimulation, not just eye movements anymore. Uh, eye movements originated this, but now you can do it with sound. You can do it tactily. You can do it in a lot of different ways. So she actually said she would rather call it reprocessing uh, therapy. And that's basically, I think, the best description for anybody who's really trying to understand in the most simplified way. It's reprocessing the memories that we have that are traumatic in a more healthy and adaptive way. I love that. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Can we talk about the difference between EMDR reprocessing therapy and talk therapy? What are some of the differences and especially in the progress that people can make in a, in a certain time frame? Yeah. So EMDR is very unique as a form of psychotherapy. Um, I feel very honored to know it because it is one of, and I mean, there are many therapies that do take this into account. EMDR is not the only one, but it is one of the few that takes into account um, your body and mind's connection. Um, so that's my favorite thing about EMDR is that trauma, when it's stored, we all are very aware now there's much research behind trauma being stored, not only in our brain, but very much in our body and that our, you know, our nervous system is reacting um, to stimuli based off of that. So EMDR is working with negative cognitions like talk therapy would, but it's also working with your body's responses to these cognitions and the memories that are creating those responses are also discovered. So all of these links are discovered within that process versus talk therapy, which it can take many, many years for us to discover these types of things in, in talk therapy. Not that talk therapy is bad, but just for trauma purposes, it's not as holistic and inclusive as EMDR is. And it also actually tends to run on a lot longer than EMDR would. EMDR is considered a quicker process. Um, so yeah. Awesome. When we spoke a month ago, you talked about there's eight phases mm -hmm. of EMDR. Can you walk us through kind of what that process, what those phases are and what they look like? Sure. So the first phase is going to be basically collecting the data from the trauma. So it's not as scary as it sounds, um, but, you know, everybody has multiple traumas. And if we were to do um, you know, a collection of that, you would see that uh, we all have multiple traumas in our lives that have impacted us. The reason EMDR does this is so that we can figure out which ones we want to start with, which ones are most impactful, maybe which ones we're ready for versus which ones we're not ready for yet. Um, so that's phase one is collecting all of that and starting to get a good idea of what that person's been dealing with. Um, also symptomology, right? So how that's manifesting in our daily lives and what how that's affecting us. 
Um, so sometimes this can be referred to as mapping our trauma out, things like that. Like I said, not as scary as it sounds. It's pretty easy. And then phase two is going to be uh, resourcing. So resourcing is a phase of EMDR that's pretty cool. It teaches you how to ground yourself, which is really important because uh, EMDR works in a really unique way in the present and in the past, kind of in the same time frame. So we're, we're working on the past, but we're in our present bodies and we're seeing that connection. So we do need these tools to kind of restore our sense of equilibrium sometimes in that process. And EMDR is very good about giving you the tools, keeping you safe during this process. And that's what resourcing is about. So you'll be taught skills on how to keep yourself safe in your daily life and also in the EMDR sessions. Um, and then when it comes to phase three through seven, that is the actual protocol. So that's the reprocessing um, that takes place. And then the final phases are the installation uh, phases. So that's where we actually bring a positive cognition that you would like to believe about yourself. Um, a more adaptable cognition that probably fits much better to the scenario, considering, you know, the age that you were when you when you had this trauma and things that your brain were doing are not quite who you are now. Um, so that's how it works with the present as well to kind of create a better, more adaptable narrative for yourself, not to continue that negative cognition and that negative belief about yourself. I absolutely love this. I feel just like completely starstruck again as you're talking through it because I, you know, and I kind of relate it to my own recent experience going through trauma of a blindsided breakup. And I mean, it threw me through a loop and I just kind of felt like I was in this washing machine and like I couldn't get grounded and I was having panic attacks and all of this stuff. And I invested, I invested in a course that was um, a somatic based course. Mm -hmm. And it, the, one of the first things it did was first kind of validate the experience. Right. And then secondly was how to come back to yourself. Mm -hmm. And those tools were so effective and just helping me kind of like the grounding. Right. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I wish that I had done EMDR because the process of healing took, has taken like a year and a half. And it's like, I can't, I wish that I had known of this tool a little bit sooner and how effective it would be, because I feel like then it could have just saved me so much physical trauma that mm -hmm. came from the stress of that. And then also being able to kind of process the emotions more effectively, mm -hmm. right? Um, I just think that that's really cool. And then it makes me think about... Um, I have a friend in particular, I think that she's been grown up having a lot of surrounded by a lot of illness and death. And mm -hmm. so she, when she's with her kids and they get sick, even with a cold, she goes into a complete panic attack. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I was finally, I was like, honey, you got to do something about this. And I'm like, I just learned about EMDR. So she found a counselor and she just had her first session. So mm -hmm. they did phase one and she was like, I won't really, she's done talk therapy for years. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited for her to one, learn more about this process as she listens to this episode, but two, to kind of see, I'm going to be able to see it in action, right? And how it's going to work. So I feel like that's just really, really cool. Um, one of my questions is, is, as somebody's going through this, I could see, especially somebody who's had a lot of trauma, there could be a little bit of fear associated with this process. Talk therapy, I feel like because in movies, it's been so glorified that this process could be a little bit scary, mm -hmm. right? Like you're revisit, you know, instead of just talking through it, you're, you're literally reprogramming. To me, I find it exciting, but I feel like some people could find that scary 
can you maybe talk about some fears that might be associated with it and why this is actually a great tool in the therapy toolbox for someone? Absolutely. So one of my favorite things about EMDR is that Francine Shapiro literally seems to think about everything. Um, she's very good about understanding. Um, well, she was very good, I should say, about understanding, you know, what might pop in there, right? So she's really taken a lot of consideration of that with developing this. And when we get trained, we are trained very rigidly um, the way we are trained. And it's very emphasized that she wants you to follow the protocol and the recommendations pretty precisely, which I really love because there's not very much variance in it. And it's very well studied. It's very secured. Um, so I would say for me personally, you know, doing EMDR is, is pretty safe because it's been well documented now at this point for its safety. And it's a little bit more empirically based um, than maybe other forms of trauma therapy, like talk therapy would be. Um, it's easier to see that. Uh, but I also think that, you know, with the resourcing, things like that, it shows you what EMDR is before you do EMDR. So it kind of gives you a good idea of what you're going to be doing at a, at a smaller level than, you know, that big traumatic event that you might be processing. The other thing is you can start with lesser events. So if you wanted to um, get used to EMDR, you could absolutely start with something that was a little less traumatic to yourself. And oftentimes that's the recommendation that I do give is let's start with something a little bit lesser if you're scared so you can see what the process is and then you can decide for yourself whether you want to go into that. I want you to be well-informed. EMDR is about that. It's about being well-informed. And so nobody's going to just sit there hopefully and push you into this. They are going to know that you're fearful because you're going to express your fearful. And then we're going to work through those fears. EMDR also has a built-in system for that, which is super cool. So um, EMDR talks about blocking parts of us and things like that. So some of those fears might be blocking us from taking care of business basically with ourselves. So that's what I love about EMDR is it talks about these things. Like they are actually on the radar there that you are probably going to be a little fearful sometimes in EMDR, but EMDR accounts for that and can actually work through those fears just as effectively. So. Awesome. Uh, another question I have is, you know, sometimes like I know on my own healing journey, I would feel like I was in a really good place and then the, a thought would creep up and then I feel my body reacting. Um, I think one of the things that we talked about was a treatment plan and um, setting up a like a protocol for when that happens and taking that into account. So can you tell us how maybe a little bit of that process and what a treatment plan would look like? Yeah, absolutely. So a treatment plan um, for EMDR is developed specifically for the target that you're developing. So you actually really zero in on the target, which is oftentimes maybe a core belief you have um, versus a specific memory, or it can be a specific memory. It can be actually a lot of things. It can even just be a somatic response that you can tell there's something there probably, but that you're not exactly sure what that somatic response is. So EMDR is very versatile and flexible in that way. And when we create the treatment plan, we are creating your 
basic outline of what that's going to look like. And then it's basically going to ask you, what does that look like? Like, what's your earliest memory of this? What is it looking like in the present? What's one of the most like disturbing memories? Um, what are some other factors, right? What are some resources that you have used and been successful with already prior to EMDR? Um, and then it also takes into account the future. So what do you want that to look like? What do you hope that will change into um, with this protocol? So we really review what you want out of this uh, prior to you going into EMDR. It should not just be sprung on you. We are not taught to just spring it on you and say, let's do this. Um, we're taught to really go through it, educate you, give you the skills that you need before we even start any protocol or any type of therapy. I love that. I'm I'm one of those patients that I love to know everything about what is going on, right? I'm considered a bad patient a lot of times. And I feel like what I love about EMDR and the process is that like there's no question. You're going to understand everything that's going to happen. You're uh, you play a role in the treatment process, which I think is just in it in and of itself empowering. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess my next question is for those of us who are struggling with autoimmune disease, chronic pain, you know, gut issues, all of that, um, I would like to, can you give us a little bit of how that, how the trauma that we've had in the past impacts our physical now? Yes. So if you think about what trauma is, um, it's an event or even a course of events, right, that happened to us. So when a traumatic event happens, it is basically thought that the part of your brain that's processing that is, is very nonverbal. It's, that's why your body is so responsible for the traumatic response. It's because we are actually not able to put trauma into words as well as we would like to think sometimes. And that's why we sometimes even have that feeling of like, there's really not a way to describe this verbally. Like I can do my best, but at the end of the day, it, it really is in our somatic responses. So as we know with immune disorders, it's similar, right? Those are our body's responses um, similarly to how our brain responds to trauma. So they are very similar. Um, so when we think about that, in the autoimmune part of things, you are thinking about how trauma is kind of busying your immune disorder, right? It's, it's making you um, busy all the time to these imaginary kind of invaders when it comes to trauma, because the traumatic event is over now, but my body does not know that my body still thinks it's on alert because they basically look at it. Like the on switch is stuck. It's stuck on and it continues to fire, even though maybe the response that I'm, I'm doing is, is now maladaptive. It was probably for survival originally, but it's maladaptive now. So that's why autoimmune disorders are thought to run high with people who have past trauma. Um, they are exposed prolonged periods of time to things that make your, your immune system fire at times where it's not really supposed to be firing anymore. Um, it gets sensitized. So if you think about it this way too, I can say that like when we have a traumatic event happen, several things are getting stored right? So maybe it's winter time and it's cold outside. And so maybe we don't realize this, but one of the things that triggers me is that when it's cold, I have these weird sensations in my body that I can't explain. 
that's because I was not aware at the time that my body was storing that information, but my body is still aware now. It still remembers that it was cold outside. It still remembers a bad thing happened when it was cold outside. And so now every time it's cold outside, I start to have those weird feelings that I had originally, but there is no actual event going on at this time. I don't know if that gave you that. No, that was a great, great explanation. And the same goes for chronic pain, right? Like we know that um, I there's we know that it gets stored in our hips, it gets stored in our back, but it can really be stored anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like I store a lot of like my tension and stress. Like I get chronic migraines and things when like I get stressed. That's how my body responds, right? Some people do it in their gut. You know, they they're running to the bathroom anytime, even a perceived stress, you know, or something like that. Now that we've talked about that, I would love to explore the mind body connection a little bit more. So can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, as we already mentioned, the mind and body are connected and they're obviously always sending signals back and forth to each other. Um, What it's thought to be in trauma, though, is when you've had a traumatic experience, that synchronicity actually gets a little bit messed up and it's no longer in sync anymore. So your mind and your body are communicating, but maybe not as effectively as they should. So at this point, what they've discovered is working with the body is just as important as working with the mind when it comes to trauma, because you have to basically put it back in sync. And some of the things that put it back in sync are really unexpected. So um, they've done studies on, for example, yoga as an effective treatment for PTSD versus CBT. And they were actually found to be pretty much similarly effective for trauma. Um, So now if you think of EMDR, it is actually incorporating both of those elements. It's incorporating the mind and the body, the movements, the feelings, um, and then the cognitions at the same time. So I think that's why EMDR probably is so effective is because we're studying mind, we're studying body. Now let's mesh those two things together, right? And it puts them back in sync is basically what it's thought to be, your mind and your body. Go back in sync and begin to communicate effectively again, which is what we need it to do. And especially when it comes to autoimmune disorders, right? We need our body to effectively communicate our needs to our brain and vice versa. We don't want our body to be sending messages to our brain that are ineffective and not helpful for us. That's awesome. And it does sound a little bit woo-woo, right? Um, Like people don't really understand that the mind and the body are connected. We're kind of taught even in the medical paradigm that, you know, the cardiologist only focuses on the circulatory system and the neurologist only. So it's like all these little boxes, but really it all works together. So, you know, and like I said, CBT, you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, you know, that's been made really popular through movies and stuff. But then we do know that like yoga does, but what it does is it takes something like yoga, which is a wonderful practice, right? You, you breathe, it kind of does that somatic grounding and stretching and releasing, but it also brings in the mind too, where I feel like I remember, you know, going, when I was really, really into yoga and able to do it consistently, my brain would start going crazy in classes. Mm -hmm. And so I love the fact that you would be able to do the mind body together to stop that cyclical, like going down the rabbit hole of like anxiety or thoughts or something, even though it's like it, you know, whatever stretch released, whatever was being stored, but actually being able to reprocess how the body and my mind think about something into a healthier 
way. And let's talk about like the trauma and all when they're when you're reprocessing it, like on the other side, can you still get triggered? Yes. Um, I mean, that's always a possibility. Um, when you're reprocessing, you're in a in a distress mode, it's called. So if we think about distress, it's a high level of stress. It's not trauma. So when we say triggered, it means something different. It's more of like a high distress level versus trauma, which is a way higher level and not equivalent to distress in any way, if you ask me, because it is a fight or flight mode, right? So they're two different things. Distress is, it's, it's, manageable. It's tolerable. Um, I probably am going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not to that scary level that we might be assuming it's going to get to. Like we're reliving this and really feeling exactly what we felt at the time. Are there elements and fragments of that? Yes, there might be some fragments in there, but it should be at a very safe level and safe capacity for you to metabolize. So that's basically what EMDR also does is it kind of makes it palatable for you. So like, if you think about that, like, I have a level that I'm going to let myself probably get to unless I'm extremely dysregulated. And in that case, I might not be appropriate for EMDR, but I have a level that my body is going to let me get to. And my brain is going to let me get to in that session. And it shouldn't get to a very unsafe level because my, my brain is what's delivering this to me. It's putting the messages out there um, because it, it believes I'm probably able to handle that is what I would assume. Um, so you're not going to be facing something that you can't handle in theory, right? I guess there's always exceptions to that. But in theory, most people, I have not seen them encounter situations they can't handle in these sessions because your brain is ready for it. It wants to process these things. That's why it's telling you to. And oftentimes after you're done with an entire protocol and you fully neutralize these stimuli, uh, it tells you what it wants you to do next. So before you know it, another thing pops up at you, but it's not something bad. It's good. It's like, hey, so also, though, now I started randomly thinking about that, you know, one other event that occurred. And it's because after you clear out some of this trauma, more stuff is able to kind of come out that needs to be tended to. And that's actually a really good thing. Um, it's telling you what to do. It gives you its its own recommendation. I love that because I feel like people kind of get in this like if I'm fully healed, it's never going to bother me again or nothing else is ever going to ever get me there. And that's just not how healing works. But we like you said, we get to an adaptive place where we're able to come back into ourselves and kind of handle the the emotions and the physical reactions to things in a healthier and adaptive way. Right. Right. And I noticed because when you do EMDR training as a therapist, you actually have to have it done on yourself as well to know what it's like to be the client. So I have had EMDR done on me as well in training. And what I did notice was certainly a lot of things popped up that I wasn't expecting, nothing that was super harmful to me. Um, and I'm just going off my own experience. And then at the end of the day and at the end of the protocol, what was really cool was when I would think back to that original target, I didn't feel the same way anymore. And I think that's everybody's aha moment in EMDR that really lets them know that it worked is you're like, oh my gosh, like I thought of that thing, but like, I can tell you so neutrally and I can talk about it and I don't feel that intensity um, there anymore because really EMDR requires you to get down to a distress level of zero for each target. So we are not done with the target until you are at zero. And what that means is I'm thinking about this thing, but I don't feel bad. I just feel like it's a matter of fact. It's a thing that happened. I am aware 
but it is no longer bothering me emotionally in that capacity. Uh, just listening to that gets me so excited. It feels like it'd be so freeing. Like mm-hmm. I can think of so many things that like I, that were traumatic to me that now are just so matter of fact, mm-hmm. but it's like, I wish it hadn't taken me seven years of like processing through this when it could have been done with a professional and a guided way to really get me into a healthier place faster, maybe even giving me tools to handle future events Mm -hmm. in a healthier way. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I do like that EMDR can do both, right? So it can also go into the future template and really go into, you know, what am I going to be facing that I'm fearful of? Because we also have those things, right? Trauma creates that as well, where it's like, I, okay, so maybe I, I did neutralize things, but I'm still fearful of this happening again. We can go into a future template, it's called an EMDR, which helps prepare us for that, which again, like I said, Francine Shapiro, she really thought of like everything, if you ask me, um, when it comes to EMDR and how we can use it and make it useful. It's just very versatile that way. Awesome. I This interview has been absolutely incredible, and I believe it's going to be helpful to a lot of people. Is there anything else you want to share before we end this episode? Yeah. So um, I was just going to say that, you know, the gold standard uh, for EMDR is going to be an EMDRIA uh, approved person. So um, EMDRIA approved means that EMDRIA approved that training that they went to. And then there's also um, EMDR certified people. So that's that next level, actually, where you did hundreds of hours um, to, to kind of be approved that way. So there's both, but both are fine. As long as we go through EMDRIA, I feel like that's the best bet to find someone who really subscribes to EMDR in the way it's meant to be. Um Emdria has its own website, which is very easy to find, and it has a list of approved providers as well. But if for some reason your provider is not on there, but they do provide EMDR, you can simply ask them like, you know, where their training was from and if it was an Emdria approved program or not. Awesome. And I'll have that link in the show notes for anybody who wants to explore this further, plus any other resources that you might offer. Um, you can, you know, we'll talk about that afterwards, but Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This is a facet that just doesn't get explored enough in the healing process. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media, or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. Be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health dash coaching backslash until next time friend bye